Sam Sifton, the assistant managing editor of the New York Times. Sam does deals with the culture and lifestyle coverage. And he's also the founding editor of my favorite New York Times cooking. And I just mentioned to Sam that he doesn't even know what he did for so many of us during the past almost two years. Much more complicated than recipes. Sam is a wonderful writer and has worn many hats at the New York Times, from food editor to national editor, restaurant critic. So he really writes. But during the pandemic, which is still going on, but during the heat of it, he sort of touched into our souls and in our heads and felt the way so many of us were feeling, the unhappiness, the depression, the misery, how are we going to get out of it? And he always ended with cooking may be one way, but he gave us so many options. I really felt that, Sam, you were holding my hand during a very complicated time when everyone, including little children, whose vocabularies consisted of super spreader and all kinds of weird things, you were there to walk us through, as well as bringing food back into people who didn't even know they had a kitchen. So, right. this, the the two were were intimately connected in my mind. The fact that we were all of us, or so many of us, but let's not forget those who who had to continue to work in person. Our, our first responders right. or, or our essential workers, but for those of us with the privilege. Uh, to work from home during the height of the pandemic and who were kind of on lockdown in fear for their health, for their families, for loved ones they couldn't see. Um, I, I, I felt that I felt that um, and knew that lots of people were feeling that. And while I believe very strongly that food is a way of uh, allaying fear, of bringing comfort, um, I also thought, you can't just provide the recipes. You've got to do it within the context of the world that we were living in and that we live in today, um, where what's happening outside of our kitchens, outside of our homes, uh, very much affects how we are feeling in our kitchens and inside of our homes. Um, and I wanted to offer uh, empathy uh, surrounding that fact or those facts. And also a way out, a way toward pleasure. Um, and uh, that we were able to do that at New York Times Cooking with all of our recipes, both the ones we had and the ones that we developed over the course of the pandemic to address the particular issues that people had with, um, you know, cooking so much more from the pantry than, than before exactly. was a real privilege. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm just... I'm humbled by your kind words. Thank you so much. No, it, it, I'm telling you, it made a real difference. I love to cook, but I have many friends who seriously didn't even know they had a kitchen. One turned it into right. an art gallery, and it, it was no joke. And all of a sudden, because of anxiety and fear, the way to get food was to make it or provide it yourself, even though we had plenty of delivery services, but people were cooking. And the recipes, oh, right? They were. And the recipes were. that you gave us made it possible even for 
I never knew I had a kitchen, too. I love to cook. We could turn out food and learn about tasting and enjoying and learn about the pleasures of the table. Yeah, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what kind of long-term effect that has on us as these generations that uh, experienced the pandemic most acutely. I I love restaurants, and I know you love restaurants restaurants. as well. Uh But now I wonder the degree to – I wonder what's going to happen to the restaurants that that we love in a world where, for so many of us now, the idea of roasting a chicken and some potatoes and and having a nice salad and and a bottle of wine is something that we can knock out really quite easily in our own homes. And that's not the sort of thing that we're interested in going out and spending $150 on. Um, that that switch has been really interesting to to observe because the friendly neighborhood bistro where you went once a week for X dish or Y dish has been transformed over the course of the past 20 months into our own homes. Exactly. And while there's plenty of desire to go out and have, you know, I've had a couple really epic meals um, post-second vaccination out in restaurants. And it's just different. The portions are larger. The the, the costs are higher. It's prohibitive. Every, I mean, it's, it's thrilling, but it is prohibitive. You know, and the restaurants, it, they are having a really hard time getting help. And plus, a lot of our comfort restaurants where you went not just to eat, but you went because you needed to be in a place with other people which is, a, you know, a restaurant viability scene, they're not there, a lot of the little neighborhood restaurants. They couldn't hang on, and they're gone. Yeah. I mean, it was it was wonderful to see those restaurants that were able to pivot to takeout or pivot to meal right. kits or, or, or pivot to delivery. But, yeah, we lost, we lost some restaurants, and we're in danger of losing more, more. as the... As the staffing issues continue to to threaten bottom lines. I talked to, in the course of my reporting, I, t- I talked to a, a chef just the other day who is, you know, he's on the, he's working six days a week. He's on the line all the time. But the, the, the ability to be the executive and the owner and the, and the kind of visionary behind the place it's kind of gone for the moment because there's just so much work to be done just to get the service out. And it's, I don't know how sustainable that is. No, that's, it's going to be interesting to find out. The first meal I had, and it was outside in a restaurant, it was like so delicious because it was almost exaggerated, you know, the joy of being in a place with a bunch of other people. But then one of the guys at the table said, I don't want to say anything, but I think I can make it better. And we all started (laughs) to laugh because, you know, he was someone who never bothered, you know, food appeared mostly. And New Yorkers eat out or ate out a lot if they could afford it. Absolutely. And they used their ovens to store their cashmere sweaters. Exactly. Right. Oh, pots and pans. That, that's, that's changed. That's changed now. 
It is, and it's going to be interesting, too, Thanksgiving. And you guys have done a great Thanksgiving issue, everything from fabulous pies, simple recipes, you know, how you can do an easy Thanksgiving. But it is going to be interesting to see how many people want to cook it rather than order it delivered or go Mm -hmm. out. We'd have to have you follow up on that. Yeah, it's... um... I, I, it's interesting, you know, I've, I've covered so many Thanksgivings for the New York Times now, and it's interesting. I think this is the first one where even though we're run, you know, we've run these stories on here's how to do it as a beginner, here's how to do it if you haven't done it before, but um, the, the sheer level of cooking prowess among Americans, you know, as we come out of the pandemic or, or still, I hope we're coming out of the pandemic, is such that Thanksgiving's getting pretty People are getting ambitious about what they're cooking and how they're cooking. And I think they're really looking forward to the coming holiday in a way that they couldn't last year. I generally have 25 or 30 people in my house for Thanksgiving. And I know you I have do a, a huge, huge yeah, one. I know we're, we're and, still too many, but. But last, last year it was four for us. We, we, did, we and, did the same thing. We had nothing really. But this year, I, I this year I think I'm going I'm going back to big numbers. I'm nervous about it. Um, I'm I'm not I'm really nervous about it. I'll tell um, you what we're doing, Sam, and that's after me. talking to a zillion people, including your own Tara Parker Pope and a lot of public health doctors. We are um, we we borrowed one of our cousins' lofts, you know, so that we can really space it, and then. We sent a memo to all the family and guests, and we said, obviously, everyone here, because there are young children who have not been vaccinated yet, and older people who have but still are of concern to us, everyone not only must be vaccinated, but everyone must take a COVID test within the day of, and that is written in blood. You can buy them at the drugstore. And we said, and if you can't, we are providing them. We've got extra that's, ones. And we, uh, that's, that's great. I think if we all do that, then we can't do more when it comes to safety because we've seen breakthrough cases everywhere. That's true. And we're doing the same thing. All vaccinated, same day uh, COVID, COVID test. And, you know, I... I, I, I got to make a call pretty soon on whether I'm going to push this thing outside, I'm, I, you know, or, or, or hunker down tight. Um, I, I, I think we may be able to hunker down tight if all those tests come back negative, which I trust they will, because I believe in the power of Thanksgiving to make us feel better. And I'm, I'm I do hoping too. we can have a holiday that is one for the right. history books. And, and we need it. As someone said, it, we're such a foodie family. But as someone said, you know, it's not even about the food. You know, our usual, who's going to do this and who's going to do that. It's just about holding hands around a table where we're all together. And for the moment, all is well with the world. Now, yep. what are you going to cook anything different if all goes well and you're going to have your group? Well, you know the expression, you know, the cobbler's children go right. barefoot. barefoot. Um, I, 
I, I, for all of my preaching about Thanksgiving and, and assembling of new recipes and caution to people to rehearse the meals that they want to make or rehearse the dishes that they want to make so they don't give themselves the stress of cooking something new for the very first time on this momentous day, I myself will probably just revert to muscle memory and make the Thanksgiving that I know my family right. loves and, we all and, and cherishes. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I just I, I I need to do that because the idea of, you know, I can't be a, on the one hand coaching everybody while also, you know, coming up with new stuff that I, I want to do. So I'm very much looking forward to cooking a meal that I know how to make, uh, that I love to make and that I can do with bl- with a blindfold on at this point. Um, and I know that'll bring a lot of pleasure to, to the to the table and to, to my family and to, to my friends. No, that's right. I, I've told the story that my sons, when he was listening, you know, talking about the menu and everything, and he had said, I want you to make X. And I said, but you guys don't like it. You've told me, you know, year in and year out. He said, it doesn't matter. We have to have it. It's what we grew up with. It's what you grew up with. We want it. And I understood that. It's like your persistence of memory. It's familiar. It's comfortable. It's safe. And it says it's a holiday and we're together. Yes. Comfort will be the most important aspect of of this Thanksgiving, I predict. Thank you, Sam. Happy holiday to you and your family. A happy holiday to you, Joan, and to all of your listeners. We'll happy talk Thanksgiving. Again. And that's Sam Sifton, Assistant Managing Editor of the New York Times. Sam deals with culture and lifestyle, and he's the founding editor of New York Times Cooking.